Hi, I'm Nadia. Hi, I'm Seth. Humans have been adapting and overcoming our natural environment for generations. The 10th Mountain Division is one of the greatest examples of this. The 10th Mountain Division, an elite light infantry force, was literally made to adapt and survive in the harshest terrains in the world. The U.S. Army saw countries like France sending their soldiers deep into the mountains to eradicate entrenched enemy soldiers. The U.S. Army decided to make their own mountain te- mountaineers in 1941, the day after Pearl Harbor, and started recruiting students from top ski schools. The ski instructors would teach other inexperienced soldiers how to ski and how to have a feel for the mountain. Camp Hale, a base that cost $30 million, placed on top of the ro- Rocky Mountains in Colorado, the coldest, boringest, and most r- miserable base ever, in some people's opinions. Camp Hale was at an elevation of 9,200 feet and regularly dropped between f- 50 below and 60 below, and everything had to be carried by pack mules. Each company had 75 men, 280 pack mules, and eight to nine horses reserved for the highest ranks. Oh, was it even? Unlock your phone. <laughs> I'm going to do it. In- the beginning of our story starts with the D-Series. The U.S. government wanted to send the 10th uh, mountain Mountaineers out to the Japanese island of Kirska. D-Series was a training exercise put on by the government just to kind of see how tough these men were. They sent these men out into the wilderness with 12 feet of snow and told them to survive. The average amount of people evacuated daily were about 100 people a day. After this exercise, they were sent to the Japanese island, Kirska. The objective of the mission was to ally with Canadian forces and ambush the Japanese forces. But the Japanese forces had already left, and they had a firefight between them and ended up killing their own men, 11 to be exact. Two years later, the Mountaineers had a second chance. The Nazis were entrenched in the Italian mountains, not letting U.S. forces pass through into Europe. The government sent the 10th out to ambush and destroy the Nazis. The 10th went out and surrounded the Nazis, but they had to get a better position, so their commander told them to unload their rifles so that none went off by accident. They then went around them, fully unloaded, with no protection, and managed to get around without being noticed. They then loaded their weapons and unleashed fire and killed all the Nazis, letting U.S. forces into Europe to gain a tactical advantage on the Germans. The 10th Mountain Division are still here today, fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq. They also do rescue missions after natural disasters. Many of the mountaineers later on to make ski areas and become ski instructors. The day after the Pearl Harbor bombing in 1941, the 10th Mountain Division began. The 10th Mountain Division is one of the leading causes for the ski industry being as big as it is. Originally, skiing began as a way of travel for pioneers to get through snow as deep as four foot.
This became a struggle because traveling through the deep snow was dangerous, and they realized web shoes weren't going to cut it. Originally, pioneers came to Colorado for the gold hype. After figuring out how to get through the snow, using these skis, it became a way of travel. They even used skiing to deliver mail. Over time, skiing wasn't large or even for hobby, but a useful tool. After World War II, some of the members in the 10th Division came back to Colorado to settle. They enjoyed skiing so much, they turned it into a business. Members of the 10th Division started teaching others how to ski, manufacturing ski equipment, patrolling, and operating mountains. Skis began as wood planks, but as time went by, skis changed immensely. By 1926, skis were still wooden, but had metal around them. This made it easier to navigate through snow. In 1942, equipment makers decided to let go of the wooden death traps and try to create aluminum skis. These skis also had pointed tips. This made it easier to navigate through the snow safely. These skis also allowed for a better drift. By the 1960s, fiberglass skis replaced both wood and aluminum skis. Fiberglass skis allowed for quicker turning. They were more responsive and lighter. Ski boots also merged with these fiberglass skis in the 1965s. These boots were light, waterproofed, and virtually indestructible. In 1988, someone saw a snowboard in half, put these ski bindings on them, and they were used as skis. This revolutionized skiing because no fat skis had been created until then. This made it easier to ski through fluffy snow. They were also shorter in length, so it was easier to maneuver through the snow. In 1990, skis shaped like an hourglass were created. This made skiers able to carve. In the late 1990s, they made the fronts and backs of skis curves. This allowed skiers to do tricks like snowboarders are able to. In the future, the ski industry hopes to make skis lighter, but also able to ski through the snow safely. Ski resorts are where people go to ski as well as snowboarding. Sometimes in Colorado, snow doesn't come down as much as it should. At ski resorts, they're required to have a certain depth in the snow. So ski resorts are forced to make snow. They do this by spraying water through a large fan in very, very, very cold temperatures. It freezes and turns to snow. Humans have created it, and this affects the environment and weather. The 10th Division laid the foundation for today's $4.8 billion ski industry in Colorado. They are responsible for at least 62 popular ski resorts today, to our knowledge. If skiing hadn't been brought to Colorado, it said it would have taken a decade to settle. That's all we have to discuss today. I'm Seth. And I'm Nadia. And, and we're, we're signing, signing off. off.